Yo, what it do, H-Town for the crown, baby. We are still here, H-Town, till we drown. Moving on to the next week. We are in week 20, believe it or not, baby cakes. And that's how we do it. Yo, impressive win, knocking off the Cleveland uh, puppy dogs last week. So really high spirits, good stuff. Very impressive, powerful win from the Texans. They really put their, you know, their foot down their throat. Uh, I mean, the foot on the throat of the Cleveland Browns. So... Uh, take that, suckers. A lot of folks didn't believe they could do it, and uh, they moved on. So super pumped about that. Really great to be here another week with you guys. Appreciate you hanging out. Once again, everybody chilling on the 420 Network, uh, watching on the Fantasy Funk, on Twitch, uh, Twitter, Facebook, streaming all over the place. Uh, make sure you guys are liking and subscribing to all that stuff, making sure you're checking out all the daily content coming from the other guys. And if you Saw Spencer the Guru's Power Hour just a while ago. Um, thank you and welcome to H-Town Huddle. We are here doing, like I said, week 20, divisional round of the playoffs. Unbelievable that the Texans are here at this time, at this moment. <clears throat> um, beginning of the season, we did not think that that would happen. But it is all in part, to, or mostly in part, because of this man right here, CJ Stroud, uh, chilling like a villain, the man... Uh, as cool as ice, ice in his veins, uh, took, you know, took care of business last week in his first playoff appearance as a rookie. Like I said, setting all kinds of records every time he steps onto the field. This guy is just unbelievable. Uh, anything is possible through our savior, CJ Stroud. So much props and loves to him. Very powerful stuff. And, and uh, CJ Stroud rubbing off on on the team, the, his attitude, his leadership, the coaching staff, uh, D'Amico Ryans himself in press conference says that God has gotten the team to where they are in the playoffs. And this is a direct quote from D'Amico. I truly believe that God's grace is over our team. I don't shy away from saying that because I believe it. And that's something that you didn't hear or see much of uh, before, I think, spending several weeks with C.J. Stroud and then hearing C.J. just basically exhume that kind of uh, – language and behavior every time he speaks to the media and uses uh, his platform at the stage to spread the gospel, which is really cool to see. And then to see that, you know, spilling on over to the head coach. So uh, another D'Amico direct quote, one thing I wanted to do was instill pride in the city again. I wanted people to be able to wear their Texans gear with pride again. And D'Amico, you have done that, been wearing my Texans gear all week. Uh, just really, you know, just fun to, to have that sense of pride and not have to hang your head in shame because of the whole Deshaun Watson scandal and and most people thinking that we'd never recover from that so uh, good to see that happen in just one year and the fact that that D'Amico and everyone doesn't even see this year as a rebuild um the the way that they just approach every game with that you know on to the next one just win this week type of attitude uh it's it's just great to see it's a good feeling it's something fun to cheer for so <clears throat> take a moment right here to pause and Say hi to everybody who's up in the chat. What's good, Tino? What's good? What's going on, Daniel Barry? What is popping? What's popping, myself? What's popping, Swan? What's going on? Who else is up in here? Facebook user. I got Packers or 49ers. I haven't given it too much thought. Uh, probably lean 49ers, most likely. Guru. Appreciate you, Guru. What's going on? <clears throat> All right. Back to it. Tino said that he was a. Uh, when he say that he was home alone, he's like, it's home alone. It's hella weird. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Got to find something to do. Pass the time. I usually watch a movie. Good stuff. Okay, let's see. 420 crew. 
make sure you guys are uh, checking in, letting me know what you're on, what you're buffing on, what you're into tonight. Otherwise, let's dive right into the rest of this uh, this stuff. I don't want to take any jabs, but I'm sure you guys already know that the Texans now have five playoff wins since 2002. Um, that's one more than a certain other team in Texas. I'm not going to say any names. Uh, but five playoff wins since 2002. So really uh, inspiring, I guess. Um, I don't want to stop there, though. The Texans uh, have not gotten past this divisional round. And uh, it'd be really good to, to get to a championship game and take the team where the team has not been before, especially with a rookie head coach and a rookie QB and a bunch of other rookies on defense, right? But uh, CJ Stroud doesn't play like a rookie. So and right now, yeah, hey, what's going on, Song? What's going on, man? Appreciate you stopping by. Right now, the team is on fire. Yeah, they are on fire. That's a good point. And that, that's what I was going to dive into. Right now, they are a team possessed. CJ Stroud. Uh, versus teams with winning records is good as well. He has he averages 308 yards per game. He has a 21 to 2 TD to interception ratio, uh, averaging nine yards per attempt and 111.7 rating. And that's versus teams with winning records. And then his top three passer rating games so far this season: uh, Week Nine versus Tampa Bay, right right before the concussion issue, basically in that little mid-season kind of blip. But then. Week 18 versus Indianapolis, 134.1. And then wild card weekend versus the Browns, 157.2. So coming off of his best rated game of the season, as far as passer rating goes. So CJ Stroud, like you said, on fire, NBA Jam rules. These guys uh, have pulled off three consecutive wins. The Ravens, uh, well, I guess we'll dive into the Ravens in a bit. We can talk a little bit more about the Browns game uh, in a second here. But like I said, uh, history right? The Houston Texans have lost uh, all seven ga games that they played at M&T Bank, and they've averaged less than 12 points across those seven games. Of course, the only one of those was with C.J. Stroud, and that was the very beginning week one of the NFL season, his rookie debut. Um, and the game was, you know, somewhat close, and neither team really did anything tremendous. Uh, Lamar Jackson's stats didn't jump off the page. Uh, neither did basically anyone else's, for that matter. Uh, and it was a 25-9 to um, game, but it was a little closer than, than that. And then it kind of just got away from them in the second half. So it is what it is there. I think in the first ever H town huddle, uh, I go briefly go over the first four games of the season. And we talk about that one and re reference it quite a bit, uh, as just the starting point of the season. And it basically the improvements we saw from week to week at that point. Is Will Anderson playing, asked Tino. Yeah, uh, he should be playing. I expect him to be extremely limited this week in, in practice, just kind of resting that that ankle, taking um, precautions with it, uh, making sure that he's almost 100%. So, uh, yeah, it'll be the same kind of situation that he was in last week. Take this out, actually. <clears throat> same situation he was in last week as far as managing, the, you know, the injury and uh, just kind of, you know, he, he the first week that he was back from that injury, he was only in, in like 12 snaps or so, and he still had a big impact. He played a lot more this last week, and then I assume that he'll play even more this week. Same thing with Jonathan Grenard. Got injured. He saw his first game back this week. He had the Will Anderson treatment as far as uh, snap counts uh, on the return. He had about 16, and he still saw him make a, an impact in this game. The Texans, I think, applied seven quarterback hits on Joe Flacco. Four of them were sacks. So one of them went to um, Will Anderson. So Will Anderson is expected to play. Um, 
I'll pull up the injury report towards the end of the podcast once I, I find it and see the most recent one. Collect some points here on my phone. Um, but yeah, where was I? Yeah, so D'Amico Ryans, yeah, um, you know, he said that the faith, basically his faith has uh, is what has turned Houston into a winner. And so the team has a lot of faith um, amongst themselves, within themselves, and then amongst each other. I see a lot of the guys leaning on each other. They go to chapel uh, together. They're in group texts amongst each other. Uh, a lot of them are friends off the field. So that brotherhood, that camaraderie has already been built and instilled. And so, um, you know, it kind of, it, like I said, it's pushed over onto the field. And I think maybe that's why at this point in the season, they've, you know, caught things in stride. And now that CJ hasn't missed any time, <clears throat> they've been playing really good football, whether they're on the road or, or not. And so you take that last road game in, in, in Indianapolis, which was basically a playoff game where CJ Stroud had a really uh, a great turnout. And like I said, 134 passer rating. I think he threw for two TDs there and he opened the game up with that long bomb to Nico, if you guys recall. So um, the, the narrative about CJ Stroud, uh, home and away record, if you look at some of that stuff and look at the away games towards the end of the season, uh, minus the Jets debacle, right, in that bad weather game. Um, everything else is, is actually tip-top. So uh, I'm not too worried about CJ going uh, on the road, but that is one of my 10 points that I'm going to go over today. It's going to be a long one, folks. Now, I'll, I'll stretch it into the into the hour. I figured that, you know, this there's not a lot to talk about, uh, considering that, you know, there was a, a shellacking last week. We'll talk about some of the plays versus the Browns and what we expected the Browns to do and then why they didn't do that. Um, and then we'll continue to parallel bounce back and forth, ping pong a little bit, talking about the Ravens matchup in um, at, at uh, in Baltimore. <clears throat> so um, just kind of circling back to Cleveland a little bit, big game C.J. Stroud is a real thing. It was his first NFL playoff game. He showed up, balled out. It was the only game on TV. Everybody saw it. And by the fourth quarter, we had Davis Mills in there. So CJ didn't even really have to do much. Any uh, in the second half, they they took over. The defense had two pick sixes on Joe Flacco. You know, he turned into a pumpkin. It finally happened. I knew that magic dust. I'd been saying it is going to run out. You know, at some point, why not against the Texans? And it was just the perfect uh, situation. You know, this the way it all kind of came together, uh, came to fruition. So, um, with that said, the Brown season is over. And the Texans are now going to have that 23rd pick. Uh, so that, that was the pick that the Texans would have. They've solidified, they've justified that uh, trading their own pick away and uh, to, to the Cardinals and keeping the Browns pick. So they finished with a better record within the Browns, and it will be the 23rd overall pick in the 2024 draft. So <clears throat> uh, two of the three of those games that I mentioned where C.J. Stroud had super high passer ratings were in win or go home settings. So elimination games, like I said, they've come in big time moments late in the season. So I expect that to continue this week. I don't see CJ Stroud, you know, turtling up at any point, uh, you know, in this contest, even if they, for some reason, fall behind, um, I, I'd expect them to mount some sort of comeback and make this a close game regardless. So um, just so you guys know, I already talked about the, uh, never mind. I already talked about the third, the 23rd pick in the draft. Um, and that's that, and that is the, the first rounder from Cleveland, just so everybody knows. What did Bogart say? What's up, Bogart? <clears throat> this team has been doing all kind of uh, first and writing history. Oh, yeah, first and writing history, yeah. They can go into Baltimore waiting for the first time and win for the first time ever, yeah. It's not crazy. Of course, yeah. Um, like I said, they haven't uh, – I think I mentioned it earlier. 
They lost all seven games that they played in M&T Bank. And by pretty decisive uh, points, by no less than 12 points or something like that. So uh, this could be, you know, the difference. We'll see what happens. But it all starts up front, I think, in the trenches. And that's a place where the Texans have been, you know, much improved on both sides of the football this year overall. Uh, Laramie Tunsil, he basically silenced Miles Garrett this last week. Miles Garrett, what happened? I mean, he was nowhere, nowhere to be found. That, that's your defensive player of the year. Uh, so, you know, um, let's tell you what's going on, John. Uh, Stroud, loud and bang and slab. Hey, I like that. That's cool. That's cool. I'll remember that. That's nice. I like that shit. Start Purdy or Stroud? Uh Well, we'll talk about it a little bit more, uh, but, you know, I'm not shying away from from Stroud uh, in particular. I think that he, it's his time to continue to shine. I think if the Texans lose, it'll be because the defense just, you know, can't. it'll come down to like a last second. It's a shootout type of thing. The, defense, the Texans defense isn't uh, holding up. Salute, Derek. What's going on, my man? What's up? Saquon Barkley to the Texans. You heard it first here. Song, that'd be interesting and crazy. Uh, we'll get to De uh, Devin Singletary, Motor, in a bit. He's been having a decent uh, season, but we know he's no Saquon Barkley, right? So that'd be something of interest. We'd see – I'd probably have to see where the how the team is, the kind of history with them doing things like that. I think Nick Casario is more of a – like they'll have two good running backs in the system and then see which one, you know, ends up playing out like the Patriots did for years. So that's kind of like what happened here with Pierce and Singletary, if you think about it. So um, – but we'll see. I mean, maybe they make a move if it's that one thing that, you know, pushes them over the edge, right? But I think that the running game has kind of picked up and come along this year to where they may be happy and just re-sign Singletary for next season. So um, they still have young Damian Pierce under rookie contract. So – you know, that's always a fallback, and maybe he falls in line and you have a great one-two punch coming up uh, next season. But we'll we'll see how that goes. What's our chance to go into the Super Bowl if we beat the Ravens? Man, it goes way up, I think, if we beat the Ravens. <laughs> I think if they beat the Ravens, you can beat anybody on the other side, right? Or beat the next team uh, down the line for the, in the conference championship, whether it's the Bills or the Chiefs. So just the fact that it's Ravens, Bills, Chiefs and Texans in the AFC is freaking amazing. It feels really good. It's really cool. Um, yeah, man. Houston, like on the come up, man. They they've turned it around in in one season, like not even one season. I, I mean, I guess uh, Casario's been there, right? Kind of rebuilding the last two. So this third year was kind of like where I was like, okay, if we don't start to see some progress, then by year four, Casario's out. But like, he knocked it out of the park this year with the, the, the coaching hire, obviously, and then the first two draft picks trading up and, and grabbing another pick. The trade to Cleveland, which turned into like Kenyon Green, uh, Damian Pierce, Derek Stingley, Tank Dell, uh, Christian Harris. Like that's what we got for Deshaun Watson. Plus these other two picks that we still that are remaining. Right. Uh, we have a first next year and then. Uh, another pick in the third round from the Browns and maybe a fifth. So we might have three more picks left off of that Deshaun Watson trade. So um, really special stuff. I kudos to Nick Casario. there, just, you know, taking, taking it and turning stuff around. I think it's already been a success and proven that, you know, some of the roster construction, the great things that he did in new England 
wasn't just the product of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, but the fact that he was able to bring in some of that personnel and keep those guys churning with the contracts and things. And then you see him leave and then you kind of see the downfall of the Patriots. And then Tom Brady goes a year or two after that. It goes a, probably a year after that, maybe. And then you see the downfall of the Patriots. Um, so, and then Bill Belichick being unable to draft, we kind of catch a, a sense of that, right? So, uh, the other GM not being able to make it work. They haven't had any great receivers since uh, Casario left. So that just to put that kind of thing into perspective there. Um, and they didn't do a great job, I think, of, of uh, scouting or selecting, you know, Mac Jones as a, as a QB uh, for their organization either. It's just kind of a weird thing. And you, you've seen the turnover there. But enough on the Patriots. We don't need to talk about them. The Texans are the ones that are successful this year for a change. Laramie Tunsil, though, back to Laramie Tunsil in his last two games, 51 pass blocking snaps, only two pressures allowed, zero sacks allowed versus the Browns, man. Uh, like I said, Miles Garrett, what happened to the defensive player of the year candidate or whatever, right? Or did he win it? I think he outright won it. <clears throat> so he got completely erased, complete, completely blanked. Uh, and another guy uh, basically who did the same thing, Amari Cooper, uh, this time around, the Texans had a game plan. They were ready to rock and roll with it. We're going to show them that, hey, Browns, the first time you played a bunch of backups, you played, uh, you know, no C.J. Stroud, and that's a big difference. There was no Will Anderson. There was no Jonathan Gennard. So the, the Browns are walking in there with, I think, a huge false sense of confidence, a false record, basically, getting a freebie win, pushing them to that 11th win uh, and securing their spot in the playoffs just to have it come back and bite them in the ass because they're going to have to play uh houston a couple of weeks after that right and they took a week off in between there and lost all their mojo i think too so um that's where the uh the flacco dust wore off and, and that uh you know i was kind of calling the shot there but i'm glad it happened um but yeah back back to that i mean you saw cj stroud just beating these guys with you know great throws great decisions there was a great play call even uh, a couple of great play calls slowick was in his bag there was that 76-yard TD, which is the second longest reception by a tight end in the playoff game since 1960, and that belongs to Brevin Jordan. And that was just a great play call. He got he he basically chip blocked. He was taking on his block, chip blocked, was holding two guys on one, two, sold the block, released. Stroud just dumps it right over, and then we see one of the linebackers super accelerate. You know, like it was right on him, and Brevin feels him on his hip, and he hits I think 20 miles per hour on that. So it's like one of the fastest tight ends in the league. And that's the backup tight end, guys, or the second tight end. So with Noah Brown now out on the IR, I would expect for them to go a little bit more 12 personnel, use both Schultz and Jordan and kind of, you know, beef up the team and change things up a little bit, give Baltimore a taste of their own medicine a little bit and see if that works in their advantage. So I think that that would be something nice to see coming into this game this week. Throw a little wrinkle into the offense, some things that some tendencies that Baltimore isn't expecting. And <clears throat> yeah, I, I think if they continue to do things like that, kind of play into those def uh, those strengths, take each matchup one week, you know, as is, and, and uh, like I said, play into their own strengths. The Texans know D'Amico. I heard in a press conference knows that you know the in order for them to have success running, they need to throw the ball. So they basically throw to set up the run. Uh, their first and second down um, throwing uh, percentages are I think are like in the you know, fourth or fifth in the league, which is a lot higher than what I expected. So they don't run the ball um, as much the Texans do, or at least try to enforce it, but they will stick with it. And Devin Singletary has still been good with it. So um, 
<clears throat> like I did mention before, Noah Brown uh, to the injured reserve with a shoulder issue. Didn't see much of him in the game, right? But we had some other guys kind of step in. During the course of this week, the Texans elevated Steven Sims, Steve Sims to the active roster, uh, and they've signed a veteran wide receiver, Diami Bird, Bird, Beard, Bird. I think it's Bird, like a bird. Diami Bird, I think he was a former Patriot, so there's those connections again, right? But they've signed him to the practice squad, so that's the last that we see of Noah Brown this year. He was hit or miss on and off. It just is what it is. Who's this here? Ryan. I posted in the face group, group if I should trade my 101 pick for Jalen Hurts, and 17 people said no. I feel like Hurts is a smash yes. Thoughts? Um, I think a lot of people were probably expecting that 101 to be uh, Caleb, right? So, you know, just having a younger guy who's supposed to have, like, perennial talent. I, I, if you like Hurts, I mean, I'm not opposed to it. But, I mean, like you said, it's a dynasty super flex. You're getting a young QB probably with that 101, right? Um, most likely. I don't know. I, I mean, I would do it depending on the team. Like, you know, it just depends on what your other quarterbacks are, right? And how you, you feel about doing it. But I don't know. How about you guys in the chat? Some some folks would probably prefer Hurts like you and others maybe not. So it just depends on how much you really value that uh, that quarterback position that you'd probably be picking there. See, Derek said he would do it. And I think my initial reaction is I would also do it as well. Yeah, so. I would I would trade my 101 for Hertz. I know a lot of people in the Facebook group probably said no, but you know it's without other context, um, you know, in a vacuum. I like I like Jalen Hertz. It just had like a down year. He was hurt most of the year too. I think that they bounced back. Also, you know, they could be on the cusp of blowing up everything, right? And he has trouble, but I mean, he still has receivers there and a decent offensive line, even though Kelsey's probably retired. So that is what that is, <clears throat> but. This week, it will be a rematch, uh, getting back to the Texans, of the 25-9 week one loss that was sustained in Stroud's debut. And that week, it's going to be totally different. Um, Texans, uh, so Crispy, yeah, Crispy voted no. That's a no for him because he, he's a Cowboys fan. <laughs> That's a no for me, dog. Um, but let's get into the Texans... Um, who are not just the Texans, but the Texans and Ravens key matchups. There's not too much I want to say. Let's see if I can go back to Cleveland here. Um, Stingley shut down Cooper. Uh, Cashman had 10 tackles. He was all over the field. Perryman set the tone right off the top uh, with a, a tackle for a loss on Ford right to, to start the game. Um, let's see what else. Nico Collins was like, you know, spectacular. I think he was like nine for or six for 96 or something in the tug. So, you know, the Texans came to play and the Browns did not. And they embarrassed the Browns. It was super loud in the stadium. Shout out to Houston and the faithful for showing up and showing out and doing their part. And now the Texans, like I said, they're going to have to go on the road. CJ Stroud, well, we'll get into the key stuff here uh, on the matchup. So let's go ahead and do that. And we'll take a little break here to <clears throat> drink some water, clear my throat, clear my thoughts. That Mexican OT, though. <clears throat> All right, here we are. Ten key matchups presented by Toro. All right, there he is. Yeah, so we have the ten key matchups for the Baltimore and Texans game. All right, here we go. Number one, 
Lamar Jackson versus the Texans defense. I know what you guys are thinking. Lamar is the MVP. He's probably going to run all over them. Uh, yeah. I mean, last time they faced each other, though, that's not necessarily what happened. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Can't be biased in fantasy. It's no for fantasy reasons. Okay, okay. I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, Lamar, let's see. Do, 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 do. Fourth most points per game. Sixth most yards per game. Uh, sub 80 rating and sacked four times and 38 rushing yards the last time they faced the Texans though. So for the season, Lamar, like I said, four, fourth most points per game, six most uh, yards per game without offense. But the last time and the, it was, no, it was week one, but the Texans were able to hold them to a sub 80 rating. They sacked them four times and held them to 38 rushing yards, which is pretty good. They would like to have that same kind of repeat performance probably and hope to walk out of there with a win. Um, number two,
Believe it or not, baby cakes, and that's how we do it. Yo, impressive win, knocking off the Cleveland uh, puppy dogs last week. So really high spirits, good stuff. Very impressive, powerful win from the Texans. They really put their you know their foot down their throat. Uh, I mean, the foot on the throat of the Cleveland Browns. So uh, take that, suckers. A lot of folks didn't believe they could do it, and uh, they moved on. So super pumped about that. Really great to be here another week with you guys. Appreciate you hanging out once again, everybody chilling on the 420 network, uh, watching on the fantasy funk on Twitch, uh, Twitter, Facebook, streaming all over the place. Uh, make sure you guys are liking and subscribing to all that stuff, making sure you're checking out all the daily content coming from the other guys. And if you 
saw Spencer the Guru's Power Hour just a while ago. Um, thank you and welcome to H-Town Huddle. We are here doing, like I said, week 20, divisional round of the playoffs. Unbelievable that the Texans are here at this time, at this moment. <clears throat> um, beginning of the season, we did not think that that would happen. But it is all in part, to, or mostly in part, because of this man right here, CJ Stroud, uh, chilling like a villain. The man, uh, cool as ice, ice in his veins, uh, took, you know, took care of business last week in his first playoff appearance as a rookie. Like I said, setting all kinds of records every time he steps onto the field. This guy is just unbelievable. Uh, anything is possible through our savior, CJ Stroud. So much props and loves to him. Very powerful stuff. And, and uh, CJ Stroud rubbing off on on the team, the, his attitude, his leadership, the coaching staff. Uh, D'Amico Ryans himself in press conference says that God has gotten the team to where they are in the playoffs. And this is a direct quote from D'Amico. I truly believe that God's grace is over our team. I don't shy away from saying that because I believe it. And that's something that you didn't hear or see much of uh, before, I think, spending several weeks with C.J. Stroud and then hearing C.J. just basically exhume that kind of uh, – language and behavior every time he speaks to the media and uses uh, his platform at the stage to spread the gospel, which is really cool to see. And then to see that, you know, spilling on over to the head coach. So uh, another D'Amico direct quote, one thing I wanted to do was instill pride in the city again. I wanted people to be able to wear their Texans gear with pride again. And D'Amico, you have done that, been wearing my Texans gear all week. Uh, just really, you know, just fun to, to have that sense of pride and not have to hang your head in shame because of the whole Deshaun Watson scandal and and most people thinking that we'd never recover from that so uh, good to see that happen in just one year and the fact that that D'Amico and everyone doesn't even see this year as a rebuild um the the way that they just approach every game with that you know on to the next one just win this week type of attitude uh it's it's just great to see it's a good feeling it's something fun to cheer for so <clears throat> take a moment right here to pause and Say hi to everybody who's up in the chat. What's good, Tino? What's good? What's going on, Daniel Barry? What is popping? What's popping, myself? What's popping, Swarm? What's going on? Who else is up in here? Facebook user. I got Packers or 49ers. I haven't given it too much thought. Uh, probably lean 49ers, most likely. Guru. Appreciate you, Guru. What's going on? <clears throat> All right. Back to it. Tino said that he was a. Uh, let me say that he was home alone. He's like, it's home alone. It's hella weird. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Got to find something to do. Pass the time. I usually watch a movie. Good stuff. Okay, let's see. 420 crew. Make sure you guys are uh, checking in, letting me know what you're on, what you're buffing on, what you're into tonight. Otherwise, let's dive right into the rest of this. Uh, this stuff. I don't want to take any jabs, but I'm sure you guys already know that the Texans now have five playoff wins since 2002. Um, that's one more than a certain other team in Texas. I'm not going to say any names, uh, but five playoff wins since 2002. So really uh, inspiring, I guess. Um, I don't want to stop there, though. The Texans uh, have not gotten past this divisional round, and uh, it'd be really good to, to get to a championship game and take the team where the team has not been before, especially with a rookie head coach and a rookie QB and a bunch of other rookies on defense, right? But uh, CJ Stroud doesn't play like a rookie. So 
And right now, yeah, hey, what's going on, Song? What's going on, man? Appreciate you stopping by. Right now, the team is on fire. Yeah, they are on fire. That's a good point, and that, that's what I was going to dive into. Right now, they are a team possessed. C.J. Stroud uh, versus teams with winning records is good as well. He has he averages 308 yards per game. He has a 21 to 2 TD to interception ratio, uh, averaging nine yards per attempt and 111.7 rating, and that's versus teams with winning records. And then his top three passer rating games so far this season, uh, week nine versus Tampa Bay, right? Right before the concussion issue, basically in that little mid-season kind of blip. But then week 18 versus Indianapolis, 134.1. And then wild card weekend versus the Browns, 157.2. So coming off of his best rated game of the season, as far as passer rating goes. So CJ Stroud, like you said, on fire, NBA Jam rules. These guys uh, have pulled off three consecutive wins. The Ravens, uh, well, I guess we'll dive into the Ravens in a bit. We can talk a little bit more about the Browns game uh, in a second here. But like I said, uh, history, right? The Houston Texans have lost uh, all seven ga games that they've played at M&T Bank, and they've averaged less than 12 points across those seven games. Of course, the only one of those was with C.J. Stroud, and that was the very beginning week one of the NFL season, his rookie debut. Um and the game was, you know, somewhat close, and neither team really did anything tremendous. Uh, Lamar Jackson's stats didn't jump off the page. Uh, neither did basically anyone else's, for that matter. Uh, and it was a twenty-five to nine um, game, but it was a little closer than than that. And then it kind of just got away from them in the second half. So it is what it is. There, I think, in the first ever H Town Huddle, uh, I go briefly go over the first four games of the season, and we talk about that one and re reference it quite a bit. Uh, as just the starting point of the season and basically the improvements we saw from week to week at that point. Is Will Anderson playing, asked Tino. Yeah, uh, he should be playing. I expect him to be extremely limited this week in, in practice, just kind of resting that, that ankle, taking um, precautions with it, uh, making sure that he's almost 100%. So, uh, yeah, it'll be the same kind of situation that he was in last week. Take this out, actually. <clears throat> Same situation he was in last week as far as managing, the, you know, the injury and uh, just kind of, you know, he, he the first week that he was back from that injury, he was only in, in like 12 snaps or so, and he still had a big impact. He played a lot more this last week, and then I assume that he'll play even more this week. Same thing with Jonathan Grenard. Got injured. He saw his first game back this week. He had the Will Anderson treatment as far as uh, snap counts uh, on the return. He had about 16, and he still saw him make a, an impact in this game. The Texans, I think, applied seven quarterback hits on Joe Flacco. Four of them were sacks. So one of them went to um, Will Anderson. So Will Anderson is expected to play. Um, I'll pull up the injury report towards the end of the podcast once I, I find it and see the most recent one like some points here on my phone. Um, but yeah, where was I? Yeah, so D'Amico Ryans, yeah, um, you know, he said that the faith, basically his faith has uh, is what has turned Houston into a winner. And so the team has a lot of faith um, amongst themselves, within themselves, and then amongst each other. See a lot of the guys leaning on each other. They go to chapel uh, together. They're in group texts amongst each other. Uh, a lot of them are friends off the field. So that brotherhood, that camaraderie has already been built and instilled. And so, um, you know, it kind of, it, like I said, it's pushed over onto the field. And I think maybe that's why at this point in the season, they've, you know, caught things in stride. And now that CJ hasn't missed any time, 
<clears throat> they've been playing really good football, whether they're on the road or, or not. And so you take that last road game in, in, in Indianapolis, which was basically a playoff game, where C.J. Stroud had a really uh, a great turnout. And like I said, 134 passer rating. I think he threw for two TDs there, and he opened the game up with that long bomb to Nico, if you guys recall. So um, the the narrative about C.J. Stroud, uh, home and away record, if you look at some of that stuff and look at the away games towards the end of the season, uh, minus the Jets debacle, right, in that bad weather game, um, everything else is, is actually tip-top. So uh, I'm not too worried about C.J. going uh, on the road, but that is one of my 10 points that I'm going to go over today. It's going to be a long one, folks. Now, I'll, I'll stretch it into the into the hour. I figured that, you know, this there's not a lot to talk about uh considering that you know there was a, a shellacking last week we'll talk about some of the plays versus the browns and what we expected the browns to do and then why they didn't do that um, and then we'll continue to parallel bounce back and forth ping pong a little bit talking about the ravens matchup in um at, at uh in baltimore <clears throat> so um just kind of circling back to cleveland a little bit Big game C.J. Stroud is a real thing. It was his first NFL playoff game. He showed up, balled out. It was the only game on TV. Everybody saw it. And by the fourth quarter, we had Davis Mills in there. So C.J. didn't even really have to do much. Any, uh, in the second half, they, they took over. The defense had two pick sixes on Joe Flacco. You know, he turned into a pumpkin. It finally happened. I knew that magic dust. I'd been saying it. It was going to run out You know, at some point. Why not against the Texans? And it was just the perfect... Uh, situation you know this the way it all kind of came together uh came to fruition so um with that said the brown season is over and the texans are now going to have that 23rd pick uh so that that was the pick that the texans would have they've solidified they've justified that uh trading their own pick away and uh to to the cardinals and keeping the browns pick so they finished with a better record within the browns and it will be the 23rd overall pick in the 2024 draft so <clears throat> uh two of the three of those games that i mentioned where cj stroud had super high passer ratings were in win or go home settings so elimination games like i said they've come in big time moments late in the season so i expect that to continue this week i don't see cj stroud you know, turtling up at any point, uh, you know, in this contest, even if they, for some reason, fall behind, um, I, I'd expect them to mount some sort of comeback and make this a close game, regardless. So, um, just so you guys know, I already talked about the. Uh, never mind. I already talked about the third, the twenty third pick in the draft, um, and that's that. And that is the the first rounder from Cleveland. Just so everybody knows, what did Bogart say? What's up, Bogart? <clears throat> this team has been doing all kind of uh, first and writing history. Oh, yeah, first and writing history. Yeah. They can go into Baltimore waiting for the first time and win for the first time ever. Yeah, it's not crazy. Of course, yeah. Um, like I said, they haven't uh, – I think I mentioned it earlier. They lost all seven games that they played at M&T Bank. And by pretty decisive uh, points, by no less than 12 points or something like that. So uh, this could be, you know, the difference. We'll see what happens. But it all starts up front, I think, in the trenches. And that's a place where the Texans have been – you know, much improved on both sides of the football this year overall. Uh, Laramie Tunsil, he basically silenced Miles Garrett this last week. Miles Garrett, what happened? I mean, he was nowhere, nowhere to be found. That That's your defensive player of the year. Uh, so, you know, um, let's tell you what's going on, John. Uh, Stroud, loud and bang and slab. Hey, I like that. That's cool. That's cool. I'll remember that. That's nice. I like that shit. Start Purdy or Stroud? 
Uh, well, we'll talk about it a little bit more, uh, but you know, I'm not shying away from from Stroud uh, in particular. I think that he, it's his time to continue to shine. I think if the Texans lose, it'll be because the defense just you know can't. It'll come down to like a last second. It's a shootout type of thing. The defense, uh, the Texans defense isn't uh, holding up. Salute, Derek. What's going on, my man? What's up? Quan Barkley to the Texans. You heard it first here. Song that'd be interesting and crazy. Uh, we'll get to De uh, Devin Singletary motor in a bit. He's been having a decent uh, season, but we know he's no Saquon Barkley, right? So that'd be something of interest. We'd see. I'd probably have to see where the how the team is, the kind of history with them doing things like that. I think Nick Casario is more of a like they'll have two good running backs in the system and then see which one, you know, ends up playing out like the Patriots did for years. So that's kind of like what happened here with Pierce and Singletary, if you think about it. So, um, but we'll see, I mean, maybe they make a move if it's that one thing that, you know, pushes them over the edge. Right. But I think that the running game has kind of picked up and come along this year to where they may be happy and just resign Singletary for next season. So um, they still have young Damian Pierce under rookie contract. So you know, that's always a fallback and maybe he falls in line and you have a great one, two punch coming up uh, next season, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. What's our chance to go in the Super Bowl if we beat the Ravens, man, it goes way up. I think if we beat the Ravens, <laughs> I think if they beat the Ravens, you can beat anybody on the other side, right? Or beat the next team uh, down the line for the, in the conference championship, whether it's the bills or the chiefs. So just the fact that it's, Ravens, Bills, Chiefs, and Texans in the AFC is freaking amazing. It feels really good. It's really cool. Um, yeah, man. Houston, like, on the come up, man. They, they've turned it around in, in one season. Like, not even one season. I, I mean, I guess uh, Casario's been there, right, kind of rebuilding the last two. So this third year was kind of like where I was like, okay, if we don't start to see some progress, then by year four, Casario's out. But he knocked it out of the park this year with the, the coaching hire, obviously, and then the first two draft picks trading up and, and grabbing another pick. The trade to Cleveland, which turned into like Kenyon Green, uh, Damian Pierce, Derek Stingley, Tank Dell, uh, Christian Harris. Like that's what we got for Deshaun Watson. Plus these other two picks that we still that are remaining. Right. Uh, we have a first next year and then. Uh, another pick in the third round from the Browns and maybe a fifth. So we might have three more picks left off of that Deshaun Watson trade. So um, really special stuff. I kudos to Nick Casario. there, just, you know, taking, taking it and turning stuff around. I think it's already been a success and proven that, you know, some of the roster construction, the great things that he did in new England wasn't just the product of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, but the fact that he was able to bring in some of that personnel and keep those guys churning with the contracts and things. And then you see him leave and then you kind of see the downfall of the Patriots. And then Tom Brady goes a year or two after that. It goes a, probably a year after that, maybe. And then you see the downfall of the Patriots. Um, so, and then Bill Belichick being unable to draft, we kind of catch a, a sense of that, right? So, uh, the other GM not being able to make it work. They haven't had any great receivers since uh, Casario left. So that just to put that kind of thing into perspective there. Um, and they didn't do a great job, I think, of, of uh, scouting or selecting, you know, Mac Jones as a, as a QB uh, for their organization either. It's just kind of a weird thing. And you, you've seen the turnover there. But enough on the Patriots. We don't need to talk about them. The Texans are the ones that are successful this year for a change. 
<laughs> Laramie Tunsil, though, back to Laramie Tunsil. In his last two games, 51 pass-blocking snaps, only two pressures allowed, zero sacks allowed. Versus the Browns, man, uh, like I said, Miles Garrett, what happened to the Defensive Player of the Year candidate or whatever, right? Or did he win it? I think he outright won it. <clears throat> so he got completely erased, complete, completely blanked. Uh, and another guy, uh, basically, who did the same thing, Amari Cooper, uh, this time around, the Texans had a game plan. They were ready to rock and roll with it. We're going to show them that, hey, Browns, the first time you played a bunch of backups, you played, uh, you know, no C.J. Stroud, and that's a big difference. There was no Will Anderson. There was no Jonathan Gennard. So th the Browns are walking in there with, I think, a huge false sense of confidence, a false record, basically, getting a freebie win, pushing them to that 11th win uh, and securing their spot in the playoffs just to have it come back and bite them in the ass because they're going to have to play uh houston a couple of weeks after that right and they took a week off in between there and lost all their mojo i think too so uh, that's where the uh the flacco dust wore off and, and that uh you know i was kind of calling the shot there but i'm glad it happened um but yeah back back to that i mean you saw cj stroud just beating these guys with you know great throws great decisions there was a great play call even uh, a couple of great play calls slowick was in his bag there was that 76-yard TD, which is the second longest reception by a tight end in the playoff game since 1960, and that belongs to Brevin Jordan. And that was just a great play call. He got he he basically chip blocked. He was taken on his block, chip blocked, was holding two guys on one, two, sold the block, released. Stroud just dumps it right over, and then we see one of the linebackers super accelerate. You know, like it was right on him, and Brevin feels him on his hip, and he hits I think 20 miles per hour on that. So it's like one of the fastest tight ends in the league. And that's the backup tight end, guys, or the second tight end. So with Noah Brown now out on the IR, I would expect for them to go a little bit more 12 personnel, use both Schultz and Jordan and kind of, you know, beef up the team and change things up a little bit, give Baltimore a taste of their own medicine a little bit and see if that works in their advantage. So I think that that would be something nice to see coming into this game this week. Throw a little wrinkle into the offense, some things that some tendencies that Baltimore isn't expecting. And <clears throat> yeah, I, I think if they continue to do things like that, kind of play into those def uh, those strengths, take each matchup one week, you know, as is, and, and uh, like I said, play into their own strengths. The Texans know D'Amico. I heard in a press conference knows that you know the in order for them to have success running, they need to throw the ball. So they basically throw to set up the run. Uh, their first and second down uh, throwing uh, percentages, are, I think, are like in the you know, fourth or fifth in the league, which is a lot higher than what I expected. So they don't run the ball um, as much the Texans do, or at least try to enforce it, but they will stick with it. And Devin Singletary has still been good with it. So um, <clears throat> like I did mention before, Noah Brown uh, to the injured reserve with a shoulder issue, didn't see much of him in the game, right? But we had some other guys kind of step in. During the course of this week, the Texans elevated Steven Sims, Steve Sims to the active roster. Uh, and they've signed a veteran wide receiver, Diami Bird, Bird, Beard, Bird. I think it's Bird, like a bird. Diami Bird, I think he was a former Patriot. So there's those connections again, right? But they've signed him to the practice squad. So that's the last that we see of Noah Brown this year. He was hit or miss on and off. It just is what it is. Who's this here? Ryan. I posted in the Facebook group if I should trade my 101 pick for Jalen Hurts, and 17 people said no. I feel like Hurts is a smash yes. Thoughts? Um, I think a lot of people were probably expecting that 101 to be uh, Caleb, right? So, you know, just having a younger guy who's 
supposed to have like perennial talent. I, I, if you like Hurts, I mean, I'm not opposed to it, but I mean, like you said, it's a dynasty super flex. You're getting a young QB probably with that one on one, right? Um, most likely. I don't know. I, I mean, I would do it depending on the team. Like, you know, it just depends on what your other quarterbacks are, right? And how you, you feel about doing it. But I don't know. How about you guys in the chat? Some some folks would probably prefer Hurts like you and others maybe not. So it just depends on how much you really value that uh, that quarterback position that you'd probably be picking there. See, Derek said he would do it. And I think my initial reaction is I would also do it as well. Yeah, so I would, I would trade my 101 for Hurts. I know a lot of people in the Facebook group probably said no, but, you know, it's without other context, um, you know, in a vacuum, I like, I like Jalen Hurts. It just had like a down year. He was hurt most of the year too. I think that they bounced back. Also, you know, they could be on the cusp of blowing up everything, right? And he has trouble, but I mean, he still has receivers there and a decent offensive line, even though Kelsey's probably retired. So that is what that is. <clears throat> but this week, it will be a rematch, uh, getting back to the Texans, of the 25 to 9 week one loss that was sustained in Stroud's debut. And that week, it's going to be totally different. Um, Texans, uh, so Crispy, yeah, Crispy voted no. That's a no for him because he, he's a Cowboys fan. <laughs> That's a no for me, dog. Um, but let's get into the Texans, um, or not just the Texans, but the Texans and Ravens key matchups. I, there's not too much I want to say. Let's see if I can go back to Cleveland here. Um, Stingley shut down Cooper. Uh, Cashman had 10 tackles. He was all over the field. Perryman set the tone right off the top uh, with a, a tackle for a loss on Ford right to, to start the game. Um, let's see what else. Nico Collins was like, you know, spectacular. I think he was like nine for – there was six for 96 or something in the tug. So, you know, the Texans came to play, and the Browns did not, and they embarrassed the Browns. It was super loud in the stadium. Shout out to Houston and the faithful for showing up and showing out and doing their part. And now the Texans, like I said, they're going to have to go on the road. CJ Stroud, well, we'll get into the key stuff here uh, on the matchup. So let's go ahead and do that and we'll take a little break here to <clears throat> drink some water, clear my throat, clear my thoughts. All right. That Mexican OT, though. <clears throat> All right. Here we are. 10 key matchups presented by Toro. All right, there he is. Yeah, so we have the 10 key matchups for the Baltimore and Texans game. All right, here we go. Number one, Lamar Jackson versus the Texans defense. I know what you guys are thinking. Lamar's the MVP. He's probably going to run all over them. Uh, yeah, I mean... Last time they faced each other, though, that's not necessarily what happened. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Can't be biased in fantasy. It's no for fantasy reasons. Okay, okay. I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, Lamar, let's see. Do, 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 do. Fourth most points per game. Six most yards per game. Uh, Sub-80 rating and sacked four times and 38 rushing yards the last time they faced the Texans, though. So. For the season, Lamar, like I said, four, fourth most points per game, six most uh, yards per game with that offense. But the last time, in the, they know it was week one, but the Texans were able to hold them to a sub-80 rating. 
They sacked him four times and held him to 38 rushing yards, which is pretty good. They would like to have that same kind of repeat performance probably and hope to walk out of there with a win. Um, number two on the countdown here. Yeah, QB, you got to contain Lamar. So, yeah, the difference in uh, here was, will hopefully be that we'll have a healthy Renard, a healthy Will Anderson, uh, Malik Collins, Rankins up the middle, all four of them rushing you know, as a unit, crunching down the pocket. And if they can do that, contain Lamar, then, yeah, you can sack him. A four-sack game would be really good. They did that week one right out of the gate, so you knew the Houston Texans defense was going to be different this season right off the start. So if they can set the tone and kind of do that, get these guys to punt early, then it'd be good. It was a close game uh, the last time. If you think about it, you're watching that. It was, it was like tick-tack back and forth. The Texans got field goals while, you know, when – they got down there. Baltimore was able to score a couple of touchdowns with some of these guys, their multitude of running backs, which is what I'm going to get to here in key number two, which is Lamar Jackson, Gus Bus, and Justice Hill versus the Texas linebacking core of Blake Cashman, Denzel Perryman, and Christian Harris. So <clears throat> Baltimore first in rushing attempts, and they lead the league in rush yards per game, which is kind of scary, right? Uh, you know that that's what they want to do. They want to run the ball. They want to, you know, do that old school style football. They're just going to run it right down your throat with multiple, you know, RPO type of showings or whatever. So, yeah, they do need to, uh, John Salazar there is mentioning that they need to blitz and pressure Lamar uh, so that way he throws some more picks. Yeah, the Texans don't really blitz. And if they can get pressure and, like I said, rush with the four without blitzing, that's still going to be in their favor. That's always great of them to do. They have one of the lowest blitz uh rates in the nfl of course it'd be great for them to dial it up and when they do you know get home with it right uh, but you don't want to blitz and get burned <clears throat> uh, the texans play a bend don't break style defense they'll give up splash plays but at the end of the day they don't want to give up a lot of touchdowns and that's what you know what's been the key to success for them um but back to baltimore lamar's 5.5 yards per carry on the on the season he has 821 yards rushing with five touchdowns Gus Bus uh, over 800 yards with 810 yards rushing, 4.1 a carry, and 13 touchdowns. So he's their big goal line Derrick Henry type guy uh, when they get down there. And then there's also Justice Hill, who's about 4.6 per carry, a change of pace kind of scat back type of dude, but uh, also saw some goal line carries at the beginning of the year to the dismay of some fantasy folks. But uh, I think that the Ravens have straightened that out uh, up to this point. And so the on the other side of the football now, the Texans' 2023 defense versus the run is number one, giving up 3.3 yards per carry. So how the hell did that happen all of a sudden? The D'Amico Ryans effect, baby cakes. That and the fast linebackers running sideline to sideline. We saw the Texans gang tackle the shit out of Baltimore last week. We know that Baltimore can't really run the football that well. I mean, uh, Cleveland. We know that Cleveland can't really run the football all too well, which is why they were airing it out with Flacco. <clears throat> And uh, it turned into a Nelson 82-yard pick six and a Harris, um, shoot, I don't know how many yards that pick six was, but it turned into back-to-back -back pick sixes, which I, by that point in the game, I had basically lost my voice. <clears throat> but yeah, the Texans' uh, defense is number one as far as uh, yards per carry at 3.3 in the NFL. So that's really good. They're really stout. They, they, you know, they swarm. That's basically one of their philosophies to swarm to the football. And uh, and just be around it and have a bunch of guys there to to make plays. So I think one of the keys to this game is they're going to be turnovers, right? Uh, but we'll, we'll get to that. And I think it is to every game, but we'll get there in, in a second. The um, the number three 
key to victory. Number three. I should probably do Toro every time, right? Number three. All right. Number three is going to be Stroud versus the Baltimore secondary. All right. So uh, Stroud last week was 16 of 21 for 274 yards, three touchdowns, and a rate of 157.2, which was actually pretty damn good for his first playoff game ever, right? Uh, but Baltimore is first and first as far as uh, their rate as rate allowed to quarterbacks at 74.6 and yards per attempt at 5.9. So, you know, both of these teams were, they're matching up. It's, it's basically first versus first. We're getting two really good clubs and it's going to see, it's going to be, you know, which team ultimately is just better. Um, and then some other few, you know, a few variables, at least in my opinion. Right. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, first in rate, I already talked about the yards per attempt at a low 5.9 for, uh, for the season. And then a quarterback op uh, opposition rate of 74.6. So not too great is what they're allowing. So hopefully CJ uh, could be, you know, if he can be above 90 at any point, I think that they have a really good chance to win this football game. And that means he's taking care of the football. Number four. Number four. All right. Number four is Baltimore's pass rush versus the Texans offensive line. So the Texans offensive line last week, no sacks allowed versus Miles Garrett in Cleveland. And only one quarterback hit uh, was allowed on CJ Stroud. So they kept it very clean last week. If they can repeat that, then there's no doubt in my mind that CJ Stroud will be able to pick apart or at least move the football down and get points versus the Baltimore uh, Ravens defense. No doubt in my mind. Now, that's no easy uh, task, right? They're going to have to deal with um, a very, very effective Baltimore pass rush. I know that last week we said the same thing, though, about Miles Garrett and defensive player and number one defense, and look what happened. It was like a 45-14 trumping. Like, they just whooped ass, right? So anything can happen. That's why we play the game any given Saturday in this case, right? And Texans have been hot on Saturday at 3.30. Keep it coming, baby. I like it. Let's roll with that. I'm cool with it. Saturday, 3.30, I get my friends over. We do the food thing. We have the kids running around, basically babysitting each other, and we get to watch the game. Good stuff. And uh, if they keep ending in Texans wins, I'm all for it. <clears throat> but yeah, like I said, it's not going to be easy. The Ravens defense led the NFL in sacks with 60. That was They were first. And they were tied for fourth in quarterback hits with 114, led by guys like Justin Matabouquet with 13 sacks of his own and former Texan Jadavian Clowney with nine and a half sacks this season. So, you know, it's like I said, not going to be easy, but um, it, it, it's not going to be easy for the Ravens either. And I feel like they may be overlooking the Texans just a bit, like who have really been coming into their own. And I'll get into some of the other stuff here in, in a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, Lamar, in the first time he faced the Texans, he only had 169 passing yards, but there no touchdowns, and he threw a pick. So if they could pressure him, uh, you know, that'd be great, like we were talking about with John. And I know I had that uh, up there. They need to pressure him and throw some picks. I meant to throw that in there. He only threw for 169 and no TDs in one pick last time. The Texans' offense, unfortunately, just didn't have anything going at the time. Tank Dell wasn't utilized at all. Uh, neither was Brevet Jordan or some of these other guys that we have. Uh, Devin Singletary wasn't even the running back back then, wasn't even getting any snaps. 
and they were one of four on fourth downs. So I, I expect this to be just like the way it was with the Browns the first time uh, to the second time. It'll be the same this way. It's going to be a completely different game. And I think the Texans are much more prepared and have done more of the growing um, and, and, and as far as getting better as a ball club than the other teams, the margin uh, the marginal, you know, growth is significant because it's just been a bunch of rookies who, you know, haven't done any of this before um, kind of thing. But yeah, Clowney and Matabuki is going to be tough. Like I said, you know, 20, 22, uh, 20 some odd sacks combined. So uh, really got to be aware of that. But I think CJ has done a great job in the pocket, even when there has been some pressure of getting rid of the football and being very careful with it. Even some of the throws that look like throwaways or completions. So you know, he's just been incredible, and hopefully that continues to to roll for Houston. But moving on, we're getting to about the halfway point here, but moving on to the next one, number five. Number five, brought to you by Toro, mascot of the year, 2022. Uh, little known fact, you guys didn't know he's mascot of the year? Yeah, Toro, really cool. <clears throat> number five, Nico Collins. Nico Bollins, right? On the season, 80 receptions, 1,297 yards, eight touchdowns, which is only one more than Tank Dell, who hasn't played in several weeks. Man, Tank Dell would have had a phenomenal rookie season. Jeez. Oh, well. I miss him. I miss him. <laughs> I trust my coach, D'Amico. I trust him, too, on defense. I mean, D'Amico's – D'Amico make me, like, want to run through a wall. So if he can make me want to do that, I'm, you know, just look at what he has these guys doing. There's an interesting clip where he basically tells – Christian Harris, look, if you want to intercept Flacco, sit on this route and then right, you know, do this. And he coaches a one-on-one right before that pick six. It's unbelievable. Go, go scope that out on Twitter if you can. Um, where were we? Oh, yeah. Nico Collins. Nico Bollins. <laughs> I wish I had more pictures like that way. I could just talk about these guys. Do I have one up here? Probably don't have to like load them. But you know, I'll I'll be more prepared for next season. We'll have like uh moving uh, overlays with like Houston slime dripping and stuff. And uh, maybe we won't be the H town huddle. Cause I'd, I'd realized that this was the name of a podcast that used to be around several years ago. I don't want there to be any kind of copyright infringement. <laughs> it's not around anymore. So I don't think there's like a trademark on the damn thing. So I think we're fine. But, uh, but yeah, I did some research today and I was like, Oh shit. No wonder it sounded familiar. Yeah. You, know, you know, when you think you have an original idea and then you don't, <laughs> But anyways, uh, Nico Collins, yeah, point number five here. Last week, he was 6 of 7 for 96 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and then this week, he does face the Baltimore cornerbacks of Stevens, Darby, and or Humphrey. I don't know how the combination is going to work or what they're going to do as far as that goes. But uh, not one of those guys allowed a rating over 80 this season. So that's the third lowest rate in the NFL combined as a unit. Uh, Guys like John Mechie, who went three for three for 44 yards, Dalton Schultz, Brevin Jordan, who had that long 76-yard TD, uh, are going to have to step up, but they're going to have to do it against guys like Geno Stone, who had seven interceptions and uh, allowed a 52.2 rate. Kyle Hamilton, who had four interceptions, and he had a rate in the 40s, plus 80-plus tackles. So, you know, on all these guys that I'm mentioning, most of them are pro, bowl, pro bowlers and or um, all pros. So... Yeah, you know, really loaded on that side of the football as far as the defense goes. But it is what it is. The The Browns were loaded with, you know, a sticky secondary and the number one secondary. And you can't – something one-on-one and 
CJ Stroud's a rookie and Miles Garrett and they whooped their ass the last time and look what happened. So never say never. <laughs> oh yeah, that Brad ass play with Brian Cushing. Yeah, he breaking his nose for no reason. Yeah, he, he pulled his helmet off and then he headbutted the lineman that he had pancaked on the uh I think it was a kickoff or interception. I don't remember which one it was. But uh, that guy got pissed and then Cushing was all pumped up on roids or whatever it was and took his helmet off and headbutted him. But yeah, Cushing's amazing. And I like that they used him for that promo video uh, before the playoff game. It was really good to see that. That was cool. Let's stay on brand here. Number six. Number six. Number six is Zay Flowers versus Desmond King. Speaking of crazy plays, did you guys see Desmond King go spin-a-rooney? Let's go to, let's share my Twitter. Can't get in trouble for sharing my Twitter. Let's present. I got to find this play because it's just too funny not for everybody to not see this. He basically break dances on Joe Flacco's head. Just so awesome. CJ Stroud, ready to shock the world. That's about the first thing I see on my Twitter. All right. Let's add it to the stage. Whoops. All right. Let's just go to my deal. One of these. One of these. Oh, if it ever loads, what's going on with my computer here? All right. Finally. Oh, yeah, that's something to talk about there. So NBC has uh, gotten in some kind of hot water for apparently editing part of C.J. Stroud's. Like they cut out where he always gives praise and thanks to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know. It's kind of weird. But anyway, I thought this was a funny gift. This is the Browns trading the Texans for Deshaun Watson only to get 30 points dropped on them by the Texans. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. <laughs> All right, let's see. Living the goods. Oh, this is Zaire Franklin and, and EJ Speed on playing CJ Stroud. This is a great bro. Hell of a young player, bro. Fuck a young player. Hell of a player, period. Mm-hmm. Uh definitely uh definitely a playmaker in that John, bro. I'm not even gonna lie to you, bro. That second and fourteen that he threw, bro, when he rolled out, bro, I ain't gonna hold you. So look like first of all, shit was mad. Man, annoying. Ain't nothing worse in the defense than when you get them all scheduled. Like you get them first and 20, second and 20, third and 16, and them niggas get it. Oh my God. What? It hurt. That hurt. Yeah, that's that shit hurt, bro. So, like, yeah. when you back on the ball, oh my God, you mad as shit on that first down. Like, what the, that's when you get the what the fuck happened? Ooh. On they side of the 50, you yeah. back on the- Bro, look, we covering man to man. I swear to God, I'm on I'm a, I'm a, uh, Singletary covering man. I see the pocket collapsing. Singletary start, you know, trying to break free, scramble drill. I plaster eyes on it. Woo-woo. He break. All right, whatever. Then I see the 